Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien, the mindful investor, who's now the head of a real estate coaching circle. Um, uh, I'm here with Glenn, glennsutherland.com, uh, who has a great course about how to flip homes in the US. And Darcy, DarcyWatt.ca, who has a blog uh, where he dives into um, the topics we cover in the podcast a bit deeper. That may all turn into a book. <laughs> who knows? Uh, so today we will be discussing raising rents, and I'm happy to uh, happy to get us started. Um, it's a habit. It's a habit you need to get your tenants into, uh, get them into the habit of raising rents. Um, and also, uh, tenants come to expect it and understand it better when you do improvements to the property that the rents are going to go up. Uh, and this way, this way, you know, the 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 the, the improvements justify the rent increases. And it's typical of a business plan. When you buy, a, a, let's say, a multifamily asset, uh, typically the business plan is to improve the units and then uh, run them for uh, much more money and then refinance, repeat. Um, about, about raising rents, it's very important to do as part of your due diligence when you decide where you will invest to try and invest in provinces or states uh, that don't have rent caps which means that the increase amount will be dictated by the market, not the government. Um, in in other in in the places where it's more difficult, uh, for example, like Ontario, where there is a rent cap, um, one way to um, get rid of tenants that are uh, at very low rents is to uh, give them cash for keys and and maybe help them. Um, assist them finding a, a, another unit and for myself uh, for example when i deal with um, uh, mobile home parks uh, i bring the rents to market over time uh, i set a timeline uh, i want to bring the rents to market but you know i, I don't want to be to uh, come too hard on the tenants so i set a timeline typically of yearly increases to bring them to market and the last thing is when you look at commercial real estate um that's also the the business plan you know you buy uh, when when you know that uh, for example it's month to month the the rent the, rent, the lease agreements or they are expiring soon and then you can uh, renegotiate the rents bring them to market and then what you can do also is uh, have uh, rent bumps in there or have a, a clause that says that you're going to renegotiate based on market rates, uh, the rents when they come um, for renewal, when the lease comes for renewal. So that's, these are my, my this is my take on the raising rents. Cool. That's good. You want me to go, Darcy? All oh, right. I can. Sure. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. You go. Okay. I'll switch up the order. Uh, you're batting cleanup. Um, <laughs> yeah, here's, and I'll, I'll right at the end, we'll leave because there's a, such a list. We'll summarize these so we can write them down at the end. Um, here's my tips. The first one is use the approved form and give proper notice. Was it 30, 60, or 90 days? Use the exact the form. That's a legal form in that jurisdiction, that state or province. Give the proper notice and do it in the approved method. Texts are for kids that don't do that. Don't, you didn't do it verbally. You didn't. You didn't send them a note and slip it under their door at the last minute. And you're trying to get something. Do it right. It's unimpeachable. Rents, rent increases are expected. They're a matter of course. They're part of business, and you're entitled to them. So it is not. Um, they're not doing you a favor, but you must 
follow the approved method for it. Don't try to scam and cheat people out and make up you know, BS uh, reasons for it. This is part of business. It should be expected, and but do it right. Use the right form, the right notification, deliver it in the approved method. And if it has to be by mail, post to the door, five days, whatever your jurisdiction requires, do it right. Otherwise you're just buying yourself a lot of pain. Um, I frequently have added cover letters explaining why um, so that they know Ari's right. Your property should justify a rental increase. You should always be improving your property and maintaining it. This is really important. Your investment real estate is a garden, not a mine. You are growing a business, not extracting resources out of a hole. If the latter means you're going to have a building that's going to fail in the future and I will end up buying it from you for a loss for you. A garden, however, grows and it's a healthy thing. So um, your property should be showing this. I point out in a covering letter that usually goes with it if there's a rent increase too. I take the maximum allowable in the jurisdiction. It's well calculated and I'm not afraid of Ontario. I do business in Ontario. You can do a good business in those jurisdictions. So for me, I'm not uncomfortable. BC has the same, Saskatchewan has the same kind of ones. I only work in Canada. So Alberta, you can mark the market uh, on every turnover. It's a little bit of a different thing. Uh, Manitoba's got their own business as well where the rents are keyed to the address. Um, on turnover, you can set to reset to market. Um, but I, I always have a justification for it. The building should show it, but I like to, to point out that in terms of property taxes in Canada, they've doubled in the last five years. Property taxes make up 25% of every dollar that I collect. If that's doubled in the last five years, that's eating a huge portion of my capital that I have to spend on my building. The same has happened with insurance, which used to be about 3.5%, is now offered to 7% of operating capital. So all of these things are justifiable reasons why you take an increase, and everyone understands. Property tax, utilities, garbage, insurance, all have gone up, and the cost of all my trades and the people I play market rates for janitorial service have all gone up. They're expecting a rent increase. I often had a cover letter. Um, here's, a, and here's the third tip. Always take the allowable rental increase or mark to market unless you're not. And the unless you're not is, unless there's really good reasons why you require stability or there's personal or individual people in that building that you need to protect from market rents. And we've done a lot of this through long before COVID was required us to not take rent increases. We decided internally, we're not gonna put out rent increases at the beginning of COVID. We had a bunch to do. We, we forbade them. We said, we're gonna punt them at least a year and see where this ends. Then the government stepped in and made everyone do something like that for a while. We've done this in properties where we have a whole lot of uh, seniors and they just can't afford it. And I'm making enough money. I appreciate the stability. There's good reasons why I wouldn't, but I would point out currently, if you're buying a multi-resident in Canada, you're looking at a cap rate of around five and a quarter or even lower in many markets in Vancouver. It's a three cap or lower, but at a five and a quarter cap, Every dollar that you raise rents, so it's $1 a month, $12 a year, at a five and a quarter cap is $228 of building value. If you don't do that, you are not keeping up the equity in your project. That equity will affect your refinancing and it'll affect the kinds of things of capital that you can spend on improving your product. So if you know, for those that don't understand the economics of it, we don't pull money out of the air to do a new common area room, to refurbish the carpets and floors and everything else, to add safety features to a building. 
It comes through operating free cash from operations or refinance. If you don't keep the equity up in your building and you don't require market rents, you cannot keep the building up in places where they want rent subsidies or rents return means the building will suffer and the quality of services in that building will suffer over time. It's a short-sighted plan. Nobody would run their business that way. That's like a restaurant having cheese that's made of mostly uh, petrocarbon rather than cheese. Over time, everybody suffers from those kind of cuts. You have to charge the appropriate price for services. And as a landlord, you are obliged to do it. You should. And without, without um, apology. Glenn, what are your thoughts? Well, one thing about that is this, the, the rent raise that you were just talking about. I had another, maybe a slightly different spin on it, right? Um, but yeah. Whenever we talk about, people talk about putting mortgages on houses, they always talk about the leverage rate, right? Because it's you, you're getting more than what you actually put on. Like if you would have done do this all in cash, right? Your, your returns will be compounded, right? And what a lot of people don't realize is the same thing happens when you're doing rent raises. So for instance, say you had a property that its rent was, or sorry, the cash flow from the property was like $200 per unit or per house, whatever it was, $200. And the jurisdiction you're in allows you to do uh, a $30 raise. Like maybe it's, you know, depending what it is, $100,000 or $1,000 a month property or whatever that works out to as a percentage. Um, but you're just raising a small amount, $30. And a lot of people go, $30 isn't worth it. There's a there's a risk that the tenant could leave. There's a risk that, you know, I could be creating some vacancies, the biggest one, because that's one of the biggest expenses in, in real estate. But what you don't realize is a 30% um, rent raise on a $200 rent or of cash flow, um, that's a 15% raise in your cash flow. You, by doing the raises, you are leveraging it and you can get a higher return on your cash flow. So it's not something to think about. It's just a different way of looking at the exact same numbers, but your cash flow return is actually going to go up substantially higher than the rent raise. Like you might be raising the rent one and a half or 2%, but it could actually extrapolate into a 15% raise on your cash flow. That's where I was trying to go with this. Um, some tips cool. that I use for um, remembering to do this and to do this properly. I mark my calendar 60 days prior to uh, lease renewals. Um, typically, most of the states I'm in, you have to give uh, 30 days notice to change the rent. Um, and you know, some states, it's 60 days notice. So those ones that probably mark it 65 days um, ahead of time. And what I want to do is contact the property manager. That is their responsibility to be moving these rents up. But you know what? Nobody cares about your property as much as you do. So be on top of this. Mark your calendar. Know when your stuff's coming new, coming due. So then you can contact your property manager and go, hey, could we pull some recent rent comps? Do you have some other ones in this neighborhood? Where do you think it could go? You could go and do some work yourself. You could go to Rentometer or Zillow or wherever. There's tons of apps in order to figure out where the rent is. Whether they're as accurate as your property manager would actually tell you, probably not, right? Um, also, your, your property manager always knows better than those apps, or at least they should, right? Um, <clears throat> but your property is always more valuable with uh, higher rent. If you're doing a multifamily, it's gonna be applied, like Darcy was just talking to, it's gonna be applied to a cap rate and, and dictate your value. If you're doing a single family, just the ability to sell it while you have the tenant in it. If it's too low, no one's ever gonna want to buy it, right? They're like, I don't wanna buy it and be way behind. They're not gonna give you market rate for the house if they're gonna be upside down because this tenant doesn't pay enough. It doesn't just doesn't make any sense, right? Um, 
but even like what Ari was saying, um, uh, a lot of times I like to even do some sort of renovation when around that time when I'm um, raising the rent, um, just even, you know, having somebody coming over, cleaning the gutters out, which is regular maintenance that you should be doing anyway, but doing it right around that time, they see that you're putting time, putting time, putting money into this property. And it, that's what dictates the rent raise. Um, it, it, sometimes it just makes a lot more sense to them. Um, Darcy also, I oh know, actually, I think it was Ari was talking about uh, rent caps and rent control. Um, so there's a lot of this in Canada. I think there's a couple of provinces that don't have any rent control. Um, in the U.S., it's uh, there's only five uh, states that actually have true rent control, right? Where you they dictate, it sticks to the property. Um, so if you, in case you're wondering, I'm just going to list them out. So it might be some value to somebody. Um, California, I think that's not going to surprise anyone. D.C., Maryland, New Jersey, and the one that might surprise it, the last one is New York State does have rent control. Um, so something to keep in mind, a lot of people love New York State just because it's so close to Toronto, um, but it does have rent control in that state. So you've got to um, be careful where you buy. And the jurisdictions of New York State are different um, from state to state, but most states are contract states. Then you just have to give enough notice and you can move the rent to whatever is reasonable. If you over, if there's no cap in these states and you go way too high, what you do is you cause a vacancy, right? And the market will dictate that you've done, you, you're going to get punished, right? You've went higher than you should have went. Um, so that's where you want to pull your rent comps and do an accurate rent raise. Um, otherwise, you're just bullying and uh, people will only do it, will only put up with it for so long and then they'll just move on to somewhere else, right? Um, you know, the idea, um, which is a little bit different in Canada than the US, is whenever you get a tenant in the US, I want to keep them forever. Um, I go to all these real estate meetups in Canada, and they're always talking about paying tenants to leave uh, in order to raise the rent up, which is a, a backwards way of thinking when, I, when we think about it. Because like the like honestly, the, my biggest expense is turnovers, right? And you have yep. to do this. I would prefer to avoid it with all costs. Um, yep. So for me, when I'm picking my markets, it is important to be in this place that I can raise the rent. Um, I want to have that ability, um, but you have to be responsible with that ability. Huh. Yeah, and, uh, and, a, and a, um, a good thing for that speaks for commercial real estate, you know, there is not there, there are not those uh, tenant landlord boards. So it's uh, market dictated and it's uh, it's based on on on, on lease agreements. So it's a uh, it's uh, you know it's, it's in animal. whatever is in the lease uh, has value. And then, uh, but yeah, when you have mom and pop tenant in commercial, you know, uh, try to get a personal guarantee and. Um, when you're a tenant, try to avoid that personal guarantee. Um, yeah, hey, can I, in Canada, can I there are to... two provinces that don't have rent control. Yeah. Can I go back to Glenn's thought just at the end of his comment? I listened to Ian Hanneman saying this last Sunday afternoon on Cross Country Checkup. So that would be uh, June 18, I think, if you want to check up this, the episode. He was discussing rents in Canada and had a variety of... Uh, property managers, um, tenants, tenants association, because there's a proposal that there might be a rent strike in, in uh, northern Toronto, uh, area outside of Toronto. The occasion of rent, um, uh, rent evictions, I know of maybe two in the lower mainland. These are not professional companies. These are a handful of jackasses, really. And sometimes you get those with, when you're renting a basement suite for someone who doesn't know the act, who's not a professional, who's who's just goofing around, uh, just mucking around. 
you take a risk when you rent from someone like that in the first place. It's like buying a car from a curbside dealer where you meet in a shady safe on parking lot, you buy a car for cash and you don't know what you get. That's on you. As a tenant, you shouldn't be doing that. These people are probably not licensed. They probably have no suites inspected. They're probably illegal suites and they're not following the rules. They don't have a business license. They're not pros. You go to a rental company, they're not doing these things. You go to a professional, a real company, they're not doing this. This isn't happening. It may be anecdotal stories that lead on the newspaper, but it is not happening in the market. None of the people I work with do this and none of the big organizations do this. Timber Creek, Main Street, Boardwalk, Avenue Living, nobody does that. As Glenn says, vacancies are the biggest, horriblest expense. Nobody wants them. Every person who moves out leaves $3,000 worth of damage that's not covered by, by your deposit in any form. You have to renovate, which is twelve dollars to $15,000 more. And to re-rent that at $2,000 a month means you get your money back sometime in three and a half to four years. Nobody wants that. That is just not a thing. Time. You're not making rent. Crushing. It's crushing. Nobody wants that. It's the largest bullshit boogeyman in the market. It gets repeated over and over. It just does not happen with the frequency that people like to think. It's just trying to scare people. It doesn't happen. And I said for listeners that we'd summarize them real quick. Ari's three points were improve your property to show value. It makes rental increases more palatable and justified. Invest where you can get market increases, his suggestion, uh, to avoid cap states. I would disagree, but that's his suggestion. That's a good one if you're scared of that. Three, commercial, pay in mind that commercial mortgage renewals are pre-negotiated in the lease. The terms for renewals are already in there. That should take a lot of the energy out of them. It's just a matter of course of business. Glenn's three were, hey, look at rent increases in terms of cash flow because your cash flow is leveraged, right? It's, it's, it's not tied to the building value, it's cash flow. So a small rent increase is actually a larger increase in your cash flow, which can help you out and make it more palatable to give a 1% increase. Calendar your annual renewals, discuss them with your property manager, and think about how rent increases maintain value and maintain uh, in your project. Darcy's tips were do it right. Use the approved forms and the right methods so that you don't buy yourself problems. But think about adding a cover letter to articulate why you're giving this rent increase. And the final one is think about your cap, your cap rate. If you don't take them, you're missing out and maintain the value of your building and the future where you can improve your property and the services that you're offering to your tenants. It's short-sighted. It's not a good business. All right, there we go. Our listeners, why don't you take us home? Yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody.